Today we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 43. If you have a Bible, let's go ahead and go there. And basically, like, if I could just summarize the study, it's uh, it's a very simple study, but I think we all need to hear it uh, just repeatedly, and that is that God blesses obedience. And, you know, if you don't obey, you're going to suffer the consequences. And so a, a real simple uh, just mindset to have as a Christian is listen to God. You know, get into the Word, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He'll tell you how to treat your wife. He'll tell you how to talk to your children. Uh, he'll tell you everything. You know, I believe that. I, I'm learning that more and more. Like you take each day, uh, almost moment by moment, and as you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and as you know His Word, then you just obey Him. And as you obey Him, He will bless your life. Now, you might not get a mansion uh, here, but you'll get a mansion there. You might not ever, ever own a house. Maybe you will. I, I don't know, but really that's not that big of a deal. You will have a home, though. You will have things like love. And so all I'm saying is that it's such a blessing to be able to have God's word. Now, we are teaching through the book of Jeremiah. Now, if you didn't know that, this is a very difficult book because it's a, it's a book of the Bible that has a lot to do with, you know, God speaking to a nation who was disobedient. And so it's not a simple message. I hope you guys have your Bible so you can follow along because we're going to cover a lot of ground tonight. And I think it's important that as we're reading it, that you make me accountable and say, hey, teach me the Bible. Don't just tell me what you want to tell me. You know, Teach me the word. And so we're going to see that here in Jeremiah chapter 43. And I'll give you a real quick background. The, the governor, Gedaliah, had been murdered in Jerusalem. And so the Babylonians, uh, they had conquered the city. They had set up Gedaliah as governor. But some of these guys came. Uh, they murdered the governor and so the Jews were anticipating backlash from Babylon. Even though these particular people that were there in Jerusalem were not part of that whole insurrection and murder of the governor, they were afraid. They were contemplating uh, going to Egypt to run away, to leave Jerusalem, go to Egypt, because they were expecting the Babylonians to come and to clean house there. And so, you know, what should we do? Should we stay in Jerusalem? Should we go to uh, Egypt? What should we do? And so when you read the previous chapter, Jeremiah 42, they came to Jeremiah and they said, hey, Jeremiah, pray for us. Jeremiah, uh, we need counsel. We need guidance from God. And as a matter of fact, I, I think it would be helpful to read those verses real quick. In Jeremiah chapter 42, look at verse 5. So they said to Jeremiah, let the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us if we do not do according to everything which the Lord your God sends us by you. Whether it is pleasing or displeasing, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send you, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. And so they, they told Jeremiah, hey, you, we're going to obey whatever it is that you tell us to do. Uh, you tell us to eat spinach, we'll eat spinach. You tell us to eat, you know, pizza, we'll eat pizza, whatever it is, you know. You know, here we are tonight, and I, I think, unfortunately, I have seen it with my own eyes. A lot of people, they, um, 
You know, if God says wait, they don't like it. They don't, they don't like it. If God says no, they don't like it. They don't like it. And, and it's like, wait a minute, time out. I thought you said that you would do whatever it is that he told you to do, that you would know that he knows what's best. Do you believe that? Yes or no? If you believe that, then you will have joy because your life is in his hands. Here they're saying, wow, you know, whatever the Lord shows you, Jeremiah, we're going to obey. And so they come to him, they ask him, whatever God tells us to do, we're going to do. And and so look what happens here in, in Jeremiah chapter 43 in verse 1. It says, now it happened When Jeremiah had stopped speaking to all the people, all the words of the Lord their God, for which the Lord their God had sent him to them, all these words, that Ezariah, the son of Hushaiah, Johanan, the son of Kareah, and all the proud men, and I circled that in my Bible, the proud men, they spoke, saying to Jeremiah, you speak falsely. The Lord our God has not sent you to say, do not go to Egypt to dwell there. But Baruch, the son of Neraiah, has set you against us to deliver us into the hands of the Chaldeans. That's another name for the Babylonians. That, that they may put us to death or, or carry us away captive to Babylon. So, Johanan, the son of Korea, all the captains of the forces and all the people would not obey the voice of the Lord to remain in the land of Judah. But Johanan, the son of Kariah, and all the captains of the forces took all the remnant of Judah who had returned to dwell in the land of Judah from all nations where they had been driven, men, women, children, the king's daughters, and every person to whom Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had left with Gedaliah, the son of Hikam, the son of Shaphan, and Jeremiah the prophet, and Baruch, see, they went too, and the son of Neriah, So they went to the land of Egypt, for they did not obey the voice of the Lord, and they went as far as Taphanes. And so they said, hey, Jeremiah, should we go? Can you find out from God? And so God says, comes back and he says, don't go. Trust me. Stay here in Jerusalem. And they're like, God didn't tell you to, you know, to tell us not to go to Egypt. It was Baruch who said it. And so these guys, and these were, you know, kind of like the, I guess you could say the military that was left. They took everybody and they went to Egypt. After all the truth that Jeremiah had spoken, uh, they didn't just question him or deny him. They defied him. It says right there that they were proud men. The Bible says, and they told Jeremiah that he spoke falsely. Falsely, they concocted a story about Baruch, Jeremiah's assistant. I mean, it's it's kind of funny how our imagination will just run uh, with us. And they said, "Oh, you guys are in cahoots with Babylon." At the end of the day, here's God promising to protect them if they would only trust in Him, but they refused. And so they forced everyone that was left in Jerusalem, including Jeremiah and Baruch, to go down to Egypt. It was uh, their government mandate, so to speak, that contradicted God's word. You know, it's interesting to me when we study the scriptures, um, many Bible uh, students, I'm one of them, believe that Egypt is a typology of the world. And so here we see they wanted to go to the world. You know, the, the things that the world has to offer as opposed to what God might offer. 
And so, you guys, we need to be careful of this. We are living in the world. There is a system out there. There is a media out there. There is a, and again, I'm not trying to be legalistic, but I'm just saying there is music out there. There is movies out there. There are just uh, philosophies out there. There are strongholds out there. And there's that temptation we have. I mean, I mean God says, come, come to me and I'll bless your life. And, and, you know, be this completely committed Christian sold out and surrendered to Jesus Christ, you know, and, and, and don't worry, I'll take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to guide you. I will bless your life. But then for whatever reason, we end up just getting wooed by the world. And we're more on our, on our phones, I mean, by far, seven hours a day, screen time. I mean, again, I don't want to be legalistic. This is between you and God. But I'm telling you, there's power when you read the Bible. There's power when you get on your knees. I love to see you guys here in a midweek service. I think that's a blessing. But I think most of the world, unfortunately, uh, most of the church has gone the way of the world. Now, you know, when we read the Bible, it's interesting. Sometimes God's people, they were allowed to get help from Egypt. And then there were other times when they weren't. As a matter of fact, Jesus was allowed to flee to Egypt when Herod was murdering the infants. We read that in Matthew two thirteen through 15, right? But, but others in, in biblical history weren't. And so it's just a matter of, like, they came to Jeremiah. Well, what should we do, Jeremiah? What should we do, God? And he'll show you what to do. But when people started trusting in Egypt instead of the Lord... That's when God began to warn them. You know, for example, in Isaiah 30, 1 through 2, it says, Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel, but not of me, who devise plans, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, who walk to go down to Egypt and have not asked my advice to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. So I really want to encourage you guys, myself as well, really pray. Really pray about things. Because you might get the counsel of the world or that individual over there who's not praying. Or you might get your own counsel. You know, when you really pray about things, it's really cool because God will show you. And you want to know something? My, my pastor used to always tell me this. He, he would say this. You, can, you know when an individual is in sin. You want to know how? Because there's no joy in their life. Because when you're walking in obedience and you're walking in fellowship with God, you're going to have joy. But if you've got this Christian, they're always down. Oh, you know, they're always like, man, it's like, wait a minute, time out. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. My encouragement to you is to, to pray, don't go to Egypt that counsel is not good. Isaiah 31.1, kind of something similar. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. I mean, even in the United States of America, right? We, we're looking to perhaps, you know, it depends on the individual. God knows the heart. I believe in building up our military just like anyone else. I believe that, right? But is that what we're trusting in? Look at our nation. Do we still trust in God? 
Generally speaking, I don't think so. And so there needs to be an awakening in the church. There needs to be a revival of the resuscitated so that there can be a harvest in the world. It begins with us. But unfortunately, we see they're looking to the chariots. In those days, the chariots were the tanks. They're looking to the horses. We need to make sure we trust in the Lord. Hey, can I borrow some money from you? Well, what about the Lord? Maybe he'll provide. Why are you going to man? You know, so really pray about things. You know, when I think of David, when he went to the Philistines in 1 Samuel chapter 27, that was a time when he looked to help from the world as opposed to God. Or Asa, there's a really cool story in Second Chronicles 16. Um, when uh, a million men, think about this, a million men came against Judah, and you know how he won the war? He prayed. A million men, he prayed. So you go fast forward down the road, you know, a couple of decades later, when the army came against him, you know what he did? He didn't pray. He hired the Syrians to come and, and, and win the war for him. What had happened was he learned the system. And so for us, my prayer is that we would never go back to trusting in the world that our trust would always be in God, and we would be obedient to Him. This is why even here at Calvary Chapel Almighty, something that Pastor Chuck taught us, we don't do a fundraisers. We don't do a lot of fundraisers. You know, and the church, it's all over the church, and they, you know, they're trying to earn money, and we, you know, we'll participate in it to a certain extent. But, but, but it'd be better to pray. I think it's better to just pray, Lord, provide for our church. Lord, you be the one to, to pay the rent and do whatever it is that needs to be done. Because if I'm always you know, saying, hey, we need money for this and money for that, and then you guys are, are nice and there are people out there who are really kind and they're giving and you know, they're generous and, and all that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, then, was it God? Or was it just this guy who was able to raise money? That's why Chuck, he would always just say, you know, where God guides, God provides. We don't need to do fundraisers. And so be really careful with those types of things. These guys, uh, unfortunately, they took Jeremiah, they took Baruch, and they went uh, back to Egypt. We have a little map here. I think we do. I want to show you guys, or do we? Yeah. So you guys can kind of see it. I mean, it's a, probably about 150 miles, maybe a little more. But they're going from Mizpah, and they travel all the way down here to Egypt, uh, Tafanis. And uh, they thought that they could get far away from the Babylonians and, and be safe. And Jeremiah is going to tell them that it's not going to work. Look at verse 8 of Jeremiah 43. It says, And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah in, in Tafanis, saying, Take large stones in your hand and hide them in the sight of the men of Judah, in the clay, in the brick courtyard, which is at the entrance to Pharaoh's house in Taphanes, and say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will send and bring Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will set his throne above these stones that I have hidden. And he will spread his royal pavilion over them. When he comes, he shall strike the land of Egypt and deliver to death those appointed for death and to captivity those appointed for captivity and to the sword those appointed for the sword. 
I will kindle a fire in the houses of the gods of Egypt, and he shall burn them and carry them away captive. And he shall array himself with the land of Egypt as a shepherd puts on his garment, and he shall go out from there in peace. He shall also break the sacred pillars of Beth Shemesh that are in the land of Egypt, and the houses of the gods of the Egyptians he shall burn with fire. So again, you know, so simple, you guys. I mean, just follow the Lord and he will bless your life. I always pray uh, for protection, direction, and uh, perfection. In other words, make me more like the Lord. And so, you know, they thought, well, you know, we're not going to obey God who's telling us to do this. We're going to go to the world. We're going to go to Egypt and we'll be safe there doing our own thing. And Jeremiah says, you know what, Jeremiah, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go find some big stones, and then I want you to go in front of, uh, uh, this would be a seasonal place where the Pharaoh would be. He wasn't there all the time, but certain times a year he would be there. Right in front, courtyard area. I want you to dig some holes, and I want you to bury these uh, rocks uh, in the ground, I, and I want you to cover it up. And people are going to be wondering, well, what's Jeremiah doing, you know, digging, digging holes there in, in Pharaoh's courtyard? And Jeremiah would tell them, well, this is the prophecy that the king of Babylon is going to come and he's going to set up his throne right here. You guys think you can hide from the Babylonians? You guys think that your way is better than God's way? He's saying, no, it's not. You can't run from this. And this is why I just encourage you guys, nothing weird. God's not going to make you do a thousand push-ups. What if I said, hey, Renee, God commanded you to do a thousand push-ups. You'd probably do it, but, you know, most guys couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. You know, he's not going to ask you to do something weird. He's just going to ask you to do something that's, that's good for you. Hey, Manny, and I remember when I got saved and he slapped me upside the head and, you know, stop doing drugs. Stop doing nitrous oxide. You know, why are you drinking all that vodka? You don't need that stuff. It's not good for you. See, anything that God commands is always for our benefit. And so this is all we're saying right here. They thought they could have a better life doing it their way. You know how many people I've seen rush into marriage? and end up making a huge mistake. See, it all has to be according to God's timing. And so it's important for us to be obedient to him. Jeremiah gave the prophecy and he said, uh, the king of Babylon is going to come and he's going to set up his throne right there. And you guys, uh, some are appointed to death by the sword. Some would be appointed to death by famine, some by pestilence. There would be a few that would take it out, that would be able to escape back to Jerusalem, but there wouldn't be many of them. And so this prophecy right here was fulfilled when Nebuchadnezzar came and um, he conquered Egypt. And so, again, simple message uh, for me. Like, I don't know, you know, like what's the Lord telling you guys to do? You know, for me, every single day, there are things the Lord says to me uh, that you have to do this and you have to go there and you have to call him and you have to text that person. I mean, there's this, this is a constantly, you know, that's hopefully, you know, our life. And so chapter 44, he continues, it says, the word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the Jews who dwell in the land of Egypt, who dwell at Migdal 
at, at Taphanes and at Noph and in the country of Pathros, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, You have seen all the calamity that I have brought on Jerusalem and on all the cities of Judah. And, and behold, this day they are a desolation and no one dwells in them because of their wickedness, which they have committed to provoke me to anger, in that they went to burn incense and to serve other gods whom they did not know, they nor you nor your fathers. However, I have sent to you all my servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them, saying, Oh, do not do this abominable thing that I hate. But they did not listen or incline their ear to turn from their wickedness to burn no incense to other gods. So my fury and my anger were poured out and kindled in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, and they are wasted and desolate as it is this day. So they're still in Egypt. Jeremiah is communicating to them, and he's just basically saying, you guys have seen the judgment with your own eyes, right? I mean, I saw one guy, he was having an affair on his wife, uh, he used to be a pillar in the church. He, this guy built uh, a podium. It was a beautiful wooden podium. He was one of the servants. He was a servant. So this guy went out. He bought a Harley. Nothing wrong with a Harley. I wish I had one, but my wife won't let me get one. Okay, so, um, but she cares only because she cares for me. So anyways, um, he bought a Harley, and then he started kind of hanging out with that crowd. Next thing you know, he meets a gal. And so he starts having an affair. So what happens? Um, you know, we're reaching out to him. Hey, come back to church. Hey, you know, you know, come back to your family. But he refused to do it. He refused to do it until one day he had one of those Harleys with the handlebars real high. I don't know how those guys do it, but those are kind of cool. Anyways, maybe in heaven, huh? Think there are Harleys in heaven? I'm, I don't know. But anyways. And then he, he, he was on the freeway, and the handlebar hit the sign. You know how they have the signs on the freeway? I guess it got too close to it, and he ended up dying. So he died. So, you know, I don't know. You might just say, well, it was a coincidence. You know, I look at it. The message that I saw with my own eyes, it strikes fear into my heart. You know, I saw what happened to Samson, how because he wasn't able to stay sexually pure, um, they gouged out his eyes. See, it's important for us to have that in our heart. I know for me, I, I read the Bible and I read Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. I, I read about how if your eyes are not good, then your whole body is filled with darkness. So if we're, you're a guy and you're looking at girls and you're checking out chicks and you're looking at porn or whatever it might be, and so that, that means that your eyes are bad and your body is filled with darkness. I read that verse, and I'm like, oh, no, Lord, I don't want that. I don't want that. So what ends up happening is you train your eyes just to bounce. You know, you see something or you see a gal or whatever it is, and you bounce because you don't want your life filled with darkness. Use these eyes for good things. Amen? And so all the Lord is saying to this guy, you, you've seen all the calamity, he says there in verse 2. You have seen all the calamity of what ended up happening to these people 
who were worshiping other gods. They were burning incense to other gods. And so it's a, you know, it's kind of cool to be able to even check our own hearts. Is there anyone or anything that you put before God? Even myself, myself, the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I, there's a natural tendency to bow down to myself. And so God says, no, they were burning incense to other gods, and so they ended up experiencing the consequences of their sin. And so now Jerusalem and Judah, they're desolate, they're uninhabited because of their idolatry. And so, you know, you would figure, you know, you learn from these things, you guys. 722 AC, uh, 722 BC, the Assyrians came. They took the northern tribes, the ten tribes. They took them away. And so you would figure, well, the, the southern kingdom would learn from them, but they didn't. In 586 BC, they came and conquered them. Now, these guys are the remnant of that, but for some reason, they're still not learning. They're still not learning. And it's been said that if we refuse to learn from history, then we're doomed to repeat it. And so it says in verse 7, Now now therefore, thus says the Lord God, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, why do you commit this great evil, notice this, against yourselves. And I underlined that in my Bible. You're doing it to yourself to cut off from you man and woman, child and infant, out of Judah, leaving none to remain, in that you provoke me to wrath with the works of your hands, burning incense to other gods in the land of Egypt, where you have gone to dwell, that you may cut yourselves off and be a curse and a reproach among all the nations of the earth. Have you forgotten the wickedness of your fathers, the wickedness of the kings of Judah, the wickedness of their wives, your own wickedness, and the wickedness of your wives, which they committed in the land of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? They have not been humbled to this day. And again, I underlined that in my Bible. They had not been humbled still, nor have they feared. They have not walked in my law or in my statutes that I set before you and your fathers. Now, I think that a lot of times what happens when things, you know, go south is we have a tendency to blame God. And in all reality, Jeremiah here, he says, no, we need to blame ourselves. For example, why is our nation struggling the way it is today? You know, so much suffering, homelessness, inflation isn't it crazy how much everything costs now it's crazy right homicide suicide depression anxiety fentanyl confusion division so many families have absolutely falling apart why what's happened to the united states of america which at one time, let me tell you, man, was a, a blessed uh, nation. And, and I think you guys know it's the same thing that happened to Israel. Generally, overwhelmingly speaking, we have left the Lord. We have left the Lord. Less people going to church. Less people even claiming to be Christians. More people 
are atheists, more people are agnostics, more people are ecumenical. It doesn't really matter what you believe. It's all the same God. That's what they say, right? No, how, how did this happen? We turned our backs on God. In 1962, um, no prayer in the schools. In 1963, no Bibles in the schools. And so now it's been about 60 years uh, Dr. Spock, whatever, telling us not to spank our kids. I mean, you name it. Now we are where we are. So now the schools where they used to pray and they used to teach from the Bible, now the schools are trending to take your children away from you if you, as a parent, don't oblige your little boy to be a little girl. I was talking to teachers just the other day. They're in my family and they were saying, yeah, they have that command that if the teacher doesn't go by the desired you know, gender, not the born, but the desired, then they themselves will suffer the ramifications. That's the world that we're living in. And if the parents don't like what the little boy or little girl is saying, then they can be taken away. Now our, we've got the school districts. Some of our school districts are fighting for this. No, parents have the right. Parents are the ones that have the right over their children. And so praise God for that. We need, I, we need that in Almani. We, right? we need to go down to these school meetings and get that, you know, people in the, in the school board that are moral people, that are Christian people, right? It's, a, it's very important to, to win this at the local level. But then the governor, he finds out about this. And what does he do? He's suing these school districts. And that's why now I'm just praying, God, save him or get rid of him. You know, and maybe you're here and you like Governor Newsom. I'm not talking, you know, I don't want to offend you or anything. But basically what he's doing by, by sending up billboards in other states of the nations, other, other states of the nation, saying, if you want an abortion, come to California. We'll pay for your, you know, your, 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 your trip. We'll pay for your stay. We'll pay for your abortion so that you can kill the little baby. This is our governor. And so what has happened to us is because we have turned our backs on God. Now, I, 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 you know, there's part of me that's saying, hey, the world is doing this. But there's another part of me that says the church is, is doing this. We, you guys, we have to be stronger. We have to be more committed to God. We got to be praying and witnessing. And, and like I said earlier, take some of these books <laughs> and give them to people. You know, love on people, love them into the kingdom. We really need to be more uh, evangelistic. We have to have eyes to evangelize. You know, here we see the Jews of Jeremiah's day had been through so much, but they still were not humbled. And that's the intention, right? God wanted to humble them going through all this. Um, earlier we read today about proud men. And so nowadays the world is proud of being proud. That's the world. They're proud of it, but the Bible does not speak highly of pride. First Peter 5, 5 says, be clothed with humility, right? Not necessarily, you know, we, we're, we're, we're so worried about what we're wearing. And God says, be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Peter here references in 1 Peter 5, 5, an Old Testament verse, Proverbs three thirty four. What does it mean to be humble? 
Well, you know, I think humility is just honesty. Like, I'll be honest, you guys, and you guys, you're honest too. We're all messed up, huh? We, we mess up, right? We, we, we fall short and left to ourselves. There is that inclination for evil. Humility simply means that I'm just a man. I'm not God. God is the one who reveals what's right and wrong, not me. I believe my father knows better than I do because he made everything. He's the creator and maintainer. And since my father knows best, in humility, I will follow him. I will believe and behave according to his word. And that's what it says right here in verse 10. If you would look again, they have not been humble to this day, nor have they feared. They have not walked in my law or in my statutes. That's the Bible that I set before you and your fathers. And so I want to encourage you guys. I want to encourage you, man, to to read your Bible and to, to learn it so that you can live it. Okay, so verse 11 uh, the Jews were not buying what Jeremiah is saying. It says, Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will set my face against you for catastrophe and for cutting off all Judah. And I will take the remnant of Judah who have set their faces to go into the land of Egypt to dwell there, and they shall all be consumed and fall in the land of Egypt. They shall be consumed by the sword and by famine. They shall die from the least to the greatest by the sword and by famine. And they shall be an oath, an astonishment, a curse, and a reproach. For I will punish those who dwell in the land of Egypt, as I have punished Jerusalem by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence, so that none of the remnant of Judah who have gone into the land of Egypt to dwell there shall escape or survive, lest they return to the land of Judah to re which they desire to return and dwell. For none shall return except just a few, those who escape. And so again, a very simple message, you guys. God told them to stay in Jerusalem. God told them to, to stay in the land. They pretended like they wanted to obey him, but they really didn't. The whole time they had their minds set, I'm going to Las Vegas or whatever, you know, going to New York. I don't want to say anything. Well, you know, just going to the world, you know. And so God just says, okay, you guys think you're going to be safe there? Um, you're not. There would be a handful who would make it out, but for the most part, and we've seen it in church history, we've seen it, uh, God just faithful to his promises that they would experiencing, they would experience the chastening and, and actually the death that they had wa walked into. I, I was thinking about this passage in Romans six twenty three, and it's just really, it says it all. It says, for the, for the wages of sin is death. I think we have that verse. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That, that's as simple as it is. You know, you want to go and, and live a life of sin, then that leads to death. But the gift of God, what Jesus has done and just receiving the gift, it, it leads to life. And I believe that the principle is forever. And yes, it's positional in Christ, but it even applies to the way uh, that we have uh, life and that more abundantly. And so again, you guys, um, how many of you are interested in hearing the voice of God? You want to hear the voice of God? Okay, so just listen, just listen. He loves you. 
He loves you and he will talk to you. I know that for a fact if you listen. So you listen and then when he says, okay, this is what I want you to do, Manny, then I go ahead and do it. It's very simple. If I don't, I'm going to suffer the consequences. Verse 15 says that all the men who knew that their wives had burned incense to other gods, with all the women who stood by, a great multitude, and all the people who dwelt in the land of Egypt and Pathros, answered Jeremiah, saying, As for the word that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we will not listen to you. But we will certainly do whatever has gone out of our own mouth, to burn incense to the queen of heaven and pour out drink offerings to her as we have done. We and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then we had plenty of food. We were well off, saw no trouble. But since we stopped burning incense to the queen of heaven and pouring out drink offerings to her, we have lacked everything and have been consumed by the sword and by famine. And so, interesting section right here. I mean, in all reality, they're, they're kind of lying. They did get consumed, but it wasn't because of this. It was because they were disobeying God. Um, but, it, you know, when you look at this right here, it's interesting that it speaks to the men. So let's just speak to the men for a second here. If you're a a husband or a future husband, one day you have a responsibility to lead your family. We as men, okay, we're not machismo, right? We're not like, hey, woman, make me dinner. We're not like that, right? Hey, iron my clothes, you know, be my servant, pick up my socks. We're not like that. As a matter of fact, as men, we should be servant leaders, I always tell you guys, not, not shoving leaders, but loving leaders. But, but a leader is one who says this, that I will do everything I, in my power, everything I can, so that my family will go to heaven. So that my family will have like life and that more abundantly on earth. That's my responsibility. That's my job. And one day I will give an account. Now, some people will say, well, you can't force them to do it. And it's true. We can't force anybody. But there are certain things that we can do. What can I do as a man, you know, to protect my family? Well, well, these guys right here, they knew their wives were burning incense uh, to the, the queen of heaven. Uh, this queen of heaven, some say it was Ashtoreth, also referred to in Jeremiah 7, verse 18, and, and this is basically a, a goddess uh, who basically the women were motivated to worship her because her, she had the, the reputation as a fertility goddess and as the one bearing the children. And so they would offer incense to this queen of heaven because they wanted children. And so the men knew about it, but the men weren't doing anything about it. You know, nowadays, we don't usually burn incense to Ashtoreth, but they do burn incense to Mary. The Catholics do. They pray to Mary, right? And so what, if I was a husband and my wife's praying to Mary, I have to tell her, sweetheart, no, that's, a, that's not God. You can't pray to Mary. It's a big thing. 
The Catholics call her the mother of God, when in all reality she's not the mother of God, she's the mother of Jesus. And, and they burn incense to her, and they burn incense also to saints. They, they pray to her. And I used to pray that rosary. It's kind of cool, the rosary and the beads and all that kind of stuff. But you're talking, you know, 50 Hail Marys? This is what we're talking about right here. Incense is in reference to prayer. Uh, Psalm 141, uh, verse 2, talks about prayer being as incense. Revelation 5, verse 8, Revelation 8, 3 through 4. It's not a minor issue. If you have a friend who's Catholic, I believe, yeah, we've talked about this, that there might be some Catholics who do know the Lord because it is the cross and the blood of Jesus that saves us. But if you have a friend who's Catholic, my encouragement to you is to reach out to them and have them read the Bible and, and don't compromise with this. Well, yeah, it's okay for you to pray to Mary or, or saints. It's not. That's idolatry. And the Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man. Uh, that is the man Christ Jesus. You know, never in the Bible is Mary venerated or worshipped Jesus even curtailed one attempt to worship Mary in Luke eleven twenty seven and 28. It says, and it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. In other words, she's saying to Jesus, oh, your mom, she must be so wonderful. And Jesus said in verse 28, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And I remember reading one Bumper sticker, it said, if you can't find God, look for his mother. Have you guys seen those? <laughs> they think, well, if you get to Mary, then yeah, you can get to God because that's his mom. And it's just evil. I love these people. We love them. But I think we need to point it in the book of Jeremiah. This is what they were doing. You know, right here they had this pragmatic approach. They're saying, hey, well, when we used to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven, then we had plenty of food. Man, we used to eat filet mignon. We had hot Cheetos every night. We were well off. There were no troubles, you know. <laughs> and, and, you know, all, all I know is that even if that was the case, uh, you guys, listen. Let's just say you left the church. Let's just say you left the Lord. Because some people, they do that. And they go out there and they make a lot of money. And maybe they get the, the Lamborghini. Maybe they get the, you know, a 10,000 square foot house. Maybe they get famous. I don't know. And, and let's just say they get all that. And because the devil's not opposing them, the devil's maybe even opening doors for them. But listen to what Jesus said in Matthew sixteen twenty six. What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul. And what he's saying right here is if you were the, so rich that you owned the whole world, it would not be even comparable, it by, by no means is beneficial, because you've lost your soul. And so the men blamed God and their circumstances, and the women blamed the men. It says in verse 19, the woman also said, and when we burned incense to the queen of heaven, poured out drink offerings to her? Did we make cakes for her to worship her and pour out drink offerings to her without our husband's permission? And then Jeremiah spoke in verse 20 to all the people, the men, uh, the women, and all the people who had given him that answer, saying, the incense that you burned in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, you and your fathers, your kings and your princes, and all the people of the land, did not the Lord remember them and did it not come into his mind? 
So the Lord could no longer bear it because of the evil of your doings and because of the abominations which you committed. Therefore, your land is a desolation and an astonishment, a curse and without an inhabitant as it is this day. Because you have burned incense and because you have sinned against the Lord and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord or walked in his law and his statutes or in his testimonies, Therefore, this calamity has happened to you as at this day. And so one of the concepts you might want to try to capture, if I can just tell you guys this, you all have an allotted land. All of you do. If you're a Christian, you have an allotted land. There is something, some type of inheritance. When you read the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua is symbolic of victorious Christian living. And the Lord said, wherever you step, I will give you that land. Now, I don't know what your land is. Now, land is not necessarily geographical land or physical land, but it's spiritual land. And so you all, we all have some type of spiritual land that belongs to us. But because they're living in continual, habitual, resistant, consistent, persistent sin, the land that they should have enjoyed, the land flowing with milk and honey, everything you need and everything you want, they did not live in that land. Unfortunately, because of their sin, God said, I couldn't bear it any longer. See, God is long-suffering. But if an individual continues in that sin, eventually he's going to have to deal with them because of his love. And that's what happened to the Jews. He hasn't given up on them. But unfortunately, they live plan B or plan C or plan D. And it's not a good thing. And so verse 24 says, Moreover, Jeremiah said to all the people and to all the women, Hear the word of the Lord, all Judah, who are in the land of Egypt. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, You... And your wives have spoken with your mouths and fulfilled your hands, saying, We will surely keep our vows that we have made to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and pour out drink offerings to her. You will surely keep your vows and perform your vows. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, all Judah who dwell in the land of Egypt. Behold, I have sworn by my great name, says the Lord, that my name shall no more be named in the mouth of any man of Judah in all the land of Egypt, saying, The Lord God lives. Behold, I will watch over them, notice, for adversity, aye, and not for good. And all the men of Judah who are in the land of Egypt shall be consumed by the sword and by famine until there is an end to them. Yet a small number who escaped the sword shall return from the land of Egypt to the land of Judah. And all the remnant of Judah who have gone to the land of Egypt to dwell there shall know whose words will stand, mine or theirs. And this shall be a sign to you, says the Lord, that I will punish you in this place, that you may know that my words will surely stand against you for adversity. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will give Pharaoh, Hophra, king of Egypt, into the hand of his enemies and into the hand of those who seek his life. As I gave Zedekiah, king of Judah, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, his enemy who sought his life. And so I don't think there's anybody here like this, but I, maybe I, I could be wrong, but I, so I'll just speak to you guys like this. 
more than likely, there's no one here in a midweek service who is sitting here saying, you know what, I don't care what, what the Bible says. I don't care what Manny says. Look at him. He's got a funky T-shirt on anyways, you know. And I don't, I, I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to sin anyways. I don't care. I, I mean, hopefully there's no one here like that. Maybe someone watching online, you know, maybe there is someone like that. I'm just going to go, hey, and I've seen people, man, smoking weed or slamming heroin and reading the book of Revelation. I've seen people do that, right? And so I know there are some out there, but that's where they were. They're like, we're, 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 we're in this. We are going to fulfill our vows of burning incense to the queen of heaven. And God says, okay, well, you're, you're set in your ways then I'm set in my ways too. Because I love you. I love you. I love you. But I'm holy. I'm a holy God. And I'm not making this too difficult for you. It's, it's simple. Just, you know, follow me. That's it. And, and they wouldn't. And so, like we read in the beginning of this story, they did it to themselves. And so, you know, last chapter right here, Jeremiah 45, I'll go through this real quick. It says, The word that Jeremiah the prophet spoke to Baruch, the son of Neriah, when he had written these words in a book at the instruction of Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to you, O Baruch, you said, Woe is me now, for the Lord has added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. Now, this is an interesting chapter, real short chapter. Don't worry, we're going to go through it real quick. I know you guys are sweating bullets right now, but just, you know, we're going to go through it real quick. Okay, this is not chronological. It's not chronological. Jehoiakim was the third to the last king of Judah, and then after him, they had the governor, uh, Gedaliah, right? And so this guy reigned way back in 608 to 597 B.C. And so this is 10, 15 um, years earlier, maybe more. And so, um, you know, you're wondering, well, why did Jeremiah put this here now? Why? And there, there's a reason. It's more than likely this. And it's a good way to finish the other chapters. Is that, is that Baruch was complaining about his life. He's complaining about his life, like, oh man, it's hard. You know, my life is hard. I'm, I'm serving the Lord, and I'm getting sorrow, and I'm getting grief, and it, and it's getting, it's not, it's not what I want. I feel like it's really difficult being a, a Christian, being sold out and pure, and waiting on God, and all that kind of stuff. And so he's saying this. Look again at verse three. You said, "Woe is me now." What's Baruch doing? He's feeling sorry for himself. Woe is me now. And a lot of Christians, they, they kind of feel that way. Life, life was not easy for these guys. You know, neither was death. Uh, Jeremiah would end up dying in Egypt. They were going to stone him to death. His predecessor, Isaiah, you guys know how he died, right? I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but Isaiah was sawn in, in two According to history, though, because usually when we think of Isaiah being sawn in two, all right, so Manasseh sawed him in two. Um, we might think of Isaiah lying down right there 
And can you guys picture that, him, them sawing him in half? They didn't have power tools back then, just in case you're wondering, okay? So to saw someone in two would not be an easy thing. But the history tells us that they hung him up by his legs and they sawed him in two this way. So was that easy? Life was not easy for these guys because nobody listened to them. Uh, we don't know how long Jeremiah preached, 40 plus years Maybe one convert, maybe none. Life was not easy, neither was death. And so here is Baruch, he's complaining about this, right? And so verse 4, it says, Thus you shall say to Baruch, thus you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Behold, what I have built I will break down, and what I have planted I will pluck up. That is this whole land. In other words, don't worry about all these people who are doing bad. I'm going to judge them. I'm going to judge them. But look at what he says in verse 5. And do you seek great things for yourself? Do not seek them. For behold, I will bring adversity in all flesh, says the Lord, but I will give your life to you as a prize in all places wherever you go. And what's he saying? He's saying, Baruch, you know, if you get your eyes on me, you're going to have what's the invincible principle. You're never going to die until I say you're done. And you can actually go in the abundance of life throughout your whole life. Your life will be a prize. Your life will be amazing because you're following me. And then when you die, guess what? You're going to be in heaven forever. And the sufferings of this world, the Bible says, are not worthy to be compared to the glory that we will experience there in heaven. So yeah, life is hard. Yeah, you know, it, it does get tough and painful sometimes. But when we get our eyes on the Lord, we, don't, we, we shouldn't seek great things for ourselves. Well, I want this. I want that. I want that position. I want that power. I want that possession and all those kind of things that people... No, what should we seek? Seek First, kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added to you. Uh, to me, I just love that verse. And I know you've probably heard it a million times and now a million and one. But that's the key. You know, seek God. Seek God first. And then he will take care of everything else.